take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with Airship Genesis Legendary Bible Adventures from Turning Point. Tune in to our monthly audio adventures and join the Genesis Exploration Squad as they travel back in time to experience the stories of the Bible firsthand and discover life-changing lessons. Also available is the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, packed with the biblical content specifically written for kids from trusted Bible teacher, Dr. David Jeremiah. You can also download our Airship Genesis mobile game on your favorite smart device and play as your favorite characters in this puzzle adventure game as the squad experiences the life of Jesus firsthand. Just go to your app store and type the keywords Airship Genesis. For more details or to order a copy of the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, visit our website at airshipgenesis.com slash Bible. That's airshipgenesis.com slash Bible. When you think of fear, you probably associate it with negative emotions like distress or panic. But there's a positive kind of fear as well. And today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah turns the spotlight onto this unique type of reverential fear. Unlike the fears that can hinder your relationships with God, this fear can actually improve it. Listen as David introduces his message, Deity, the Fear of God. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Today we begin the last message in our series, What Are You Afraid Of? And this is an interesting one because today we're going to be in a discussion about being afraid of God, uh, the fear of God, which is often uh, in the Bible, in the book of Psalms, in the book of Proverbs. The Bible teaches us that to have wisdom, you have to fear God. But what does that mean? It means more than you think it does, and maybe not as much as you think it does. It doesn't mean to be afraid of God, to be scared of God. It means to be in awe of God, in, to be in reverence of God, but there's also a healthy fear of God that we'll explore. So today we began two days of discussion on deity, the fear of God. If you haven't already gotten the resources for this series, this would be a good time to do that. You know, there's a study guide uh, on this series. There are CDs you can listen to. You can listen to everything I've said on the radio. You can listen to it again on CD. Uh, You can have it uh, available to you to listen to and review. Um, And then, of course, there's this book that we've been making available throughout the month of March. The book is called Hope. Living Fearlessly in a Scary World, and uh, we'd like to make this available to you. It's our way of saying thank you for your gift to Turning Point during the month of March. When you send a gift, whatever size your gift may be, simply ask for this book, and we'll send it to you. It's one of the things we do every week here on Turning Point Radio. We make resources available to people to um, add value to your life, to strengthen you, to build you up in your faith, and give you a hope for the future. We're so grateful for your partnership, and this is another way we can say thank you. Make sure you get your gift into the mail and your request into the mail for this book in these next few days. Right now, let's begin our discussion of this very interesting subject, Deity, the Fear of God. We've been studying the subject of fear, and in all of the messages up until this one, I have been trying to do my best to help you understand what fear is 
and make it possible for you to face your fears with your faith. But today, I am going to try to help you learn how to fear, and I'm going to encourage you to fear. Because today I want to talk with you about the fear of God. Have you ever, as a Christian, wondered if maybe you've missed something in the Bible? That if you could find it and figure it out, it would have a dramatic change in you, it would have a dramatic effect upon how you live your Christian experience? I think all of us at times wonder about that. Lord, have I missed something that you have here for me? And of course, the Bible tells us that God's mercies are new every morning, and I've been studying the Bible now for well over 40 years, and I keep finding stuff I never knew was there, even though I've read it, I've read past it. What I'm about to tell you about today, in many respects, is a life-changing concept, that if you get your arms around it, if you get this in your heart, it will change the way you do life. It will change the way you do your faith. And in the understanding of this fear, you will gain power over all of the other fears that come into your life. Several years ago, a very famous Jewish rabbi by the name of Harold S. Kushner wrote a book, the title of which was, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. The book was written because of the agony he experienced with his little boy who had a very serious disease which ultimately took his life. He wrestled with the issues of faith and the issue of God's goodness. He came out at a place where most of us who are biblical students don't believe he had the right to come out at and we don't agree with his conclusions. But I do respect Rabbi Kushner for his writing. I read everything that he writes just to see what he's thinking. And not long ago, he came out with a book on fear. It's called Conquering Fear, Living Boldly in an Uncertain World. But I hadn't been in the reading of this book very far before. I ran into a paragraph with which I had incredible disagreement. So I'm going to read to you what he said. He said, if there is one phrase I would like to see banished from theological discourse, it is the four words, the fear of God. I don't think much of a religion that tries to control its adherents by frightening them. Where the phrase, the fear of God, occurs in the Bible, I don't believe it refers to being afraid of God. I take it to refer to the sense of awe that overwhelms us when we contemplate the greatness and majesty of God. Now, when he mentioned that last little bit in his quotation, I was stung a bit because I've actually said that to people over the years. They've come to me and said, what do you think it means to be afraid of God or to fear God? And I've said, well, it means to hold him in awe. But I have come to discover that it means much more than that. I happen to admire, as I mentioned, Rabbi Kushner, but I find his words on this subject concerning the fear of God full of mistakes. The first mistake he makes is 
He seems to believe we are talking far too much about the fear of God, chasing people out of our churches and out of our synagogues. But let me ask you a question today. When was the last time you had a discussion about the fear of God? I doubt very seriously if that's very high up on our discussion list, either in our church or in the synagogues either. In fact, if you want to know the truth, it's the opposite. It's the very fact that we never talk about the fear of God that may be responsible for us descending into the mess that we're in right now. The rabbi's second mistake is the fact that he restricts the fear of God to a sense of awe. That is where most of us are with our understanding of what it means to fear God. But I want to remind you today that it's a bit more than that. In fact, there are two ways the Bible tells us that we fear God. Two ways. First of all, we fear God with awesome dread. Awesome dread. You say, Pastor Jeremiah, where does that come from? Well, did you know that the first time the word fear appears in the Bible, it appears in the book of Genesis, chapter 3 and verse 10. There is a principle of Bible interpretation that says, when you find a word the first time in the Bible, it may be the most important use of the word, and it may define the use of the word throughout the rest of the scripture. In this case, there is some truth to that. Let me tell you about the first time the word fear or afraid happens in the scripture. We read about God walking in the garden just after Adam and Eve had eaten the forbidden fruit. And apparently God had been making a practice of enjoying fellowship with Adam and Eve. Every day at a certain time, he would come down and fellowship with them. And the Bible says that after Adam and Eve sinned and God drew near, Adam hid himself from God's presence and he explained, Genesis 3.10, God, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And I want to make this point that I am sure that what Adam felt at that moment was much more than awe and reverence for his God. He was stone cold afraid, exactly as he should have been. God had warned him that if he were to eat of the forbidden tree, he would die. He had done what he had been told not to do, and now God was looking for him. Those who know God and fear him find this fear so overwhelming that at least in the expressions we find in the scripture, they can't even stand on their feet. I went through the Bible and I picked up all the places where I could find people in the presence of God, in the fear of God. And I couldn't give you all of them, but here's a random sampling of some of the things that happened. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Balaam bowed his head and fell flat on his face. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped. Ezekiel fell on his face. The three disciples who saw Jesus' face shine as the sun fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. Saul of Tarsus fell to the ground and was left blind. And those are just a few of the many places where we see men coming into contact in some way with Almighty God. Now, the reason I bring this up is because there are many Christians today who seem to think that because of the incarnation and the Lord Jesus Christ coming as the God-man, we have eliminated the need for any fear of God. 
Those who adopt this mindset as the whole truth often describe Jesus as a gentle, compassionate, and loving person. And he was, and he is, all of those things. But he is more. He is the fearsome Jesus who took a whip and single-handedly drove from the temple a mass of thieving merchants. You can be sure that these men felt fear. Awe and dread are natural responses of the imperfect to the perfect, of the marred to the beautiful, and of the contaminated to the pure. When Jesus walked into the temple that day, they were not afraid of him because he had a whip in his hand. They were afraid of him because the presence of Almighty God was in their midst. In the words of the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 8:13, the Lord of hosts, him you shall fear. Him you shall hallow. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. Now, whatever you might want to think about the fear of God, let me just put it on the table right up front. There is a sense in which you and I need to cultivate a healthy fear of God. You say, what does it mean to fear God? It means awesome dread. If you were to have the experience of the men that I mentioned earlier, you would do the same thing they did. You would fall on your face. You would be filled with awe and dread in the presence of God. But there's another way that we fear God, and this is the way we are more comfortable with. This is what we might call astonished devotion. The Bible tells us that as Christians, this is to also be a part of our lives. In fact, Philippians says, my beloved brethren, work out your salvation with what? Fear and trembling. First Peter says, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. For active followers of Jesus Christ, this concept is the most meaningful for everyday living. We fear God by honoring him, by reverencing him, by cherishing him. We fear him because of his greatness and his majesty, which reduce us to an overpowering sense that nothing else we can ever confront in this world is like the God that we serve. Pastor and scholar Sinclair Ferguson describes this fear as a mixture of reverence and fear and pleasure and joy and awe which fills our hearts when we realize who God is and what he has done for us. Vance Havner says that it is easy for us to lose this wonder as followers of Christ. Maybe some of you here today have lost that sense. He wrote, it is easy to lose the wonder. The spirit of the age is against us. Iniquity abounds and the love of many waxes cold. Listen, we know too much. We have tried all the thrills. A lot of religious activity today has lost the wonder. We engage in shop talk about men and methods and movement but we do not exult in the wonderful news that Christ died and he rose again. Let me just explain to you, friends, that when we truly worship God, we enter into the wonder of who he is. We hit the pinnacle of worship when we are brought into the presence of the God we serve and made to be aware of his majesty and his wonder, and we're caught up in it because 
for a moment or so, we're made aware that this God of the universe is the God that we know and the God that knows us. That is what it means to live in the wonder of God. Rabbi Zacharias said, the older you get, the more it takes to fill your heart with wonder. And only God is ever big enough to do that. And that's true. The Bible teaches us that as believers, we're to have a certain sense of dread in the presence of God. But mostly in our world today, we're to have this sense of awe and wonder and reverence because of who he is. Could I just stop for a moment and say, there used to be more of that than there is today, even among those who do not know God. It used to be in our culture that there was a kind of maybe distant but nonetheless respect for God and a certain kind of respect for those who knew God. I don't know if you've noticed, but that's not around anymore. We've lost that. Let me tell you a different way. We used to have great and high regard for someone if we would say about that person, he is a God-fearing man. You say that about someone today, and they'll look at you and say, he's weird. (laughs) A God-fearing man used to be someone we looked up to. We would say, a God-fearing man, a God-fearing woman, and we would say, we respect them. People ask me all the time, what's gone wrong with our nation? And I tell them, we've lost our fear of God. We've lost our sense of reverence for the God whose principles were the foundation of this country. You say, Dr. Jeremiah, why should we fear God? Let me give you three reasons. First of all, we should fear God because of who he is. Psalm 89 says this, For who in the heavens can be compared to the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to the Lord? God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all those around him. Jeremiah 10, 6 and 7 Inasmuch as there is none like you, O Lord, you are great, and your name is great in might. Who should not fear you, O King of the nations? For this is your rightful due. For among all the wise men of the nations, in all of their kingdoms, there is none like you. We should fear God because of who he is. There is none like him. We should fear God secondly because of what he has done once again the psalmist helps us with this by the word of the Lord the heavens were made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth he gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap he lays up the deep in storehouses let all the earth fear the Lord Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him, for he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. Think of it. What has he done? He spoke, and the world came into existence. In order to help us get a picture of it, the psalmist says, he gathers up the waters in a heap. He holds them in his hands. 
The God that we serve, the God before whom we stand in awe and fear and wonder is the God who created the world in which we lived. And yes, we believe he created it and he didn't need any help to do it. He created it out of nothing in the exact time periods the scripture says he created it. He spoke it into being. Who does anything like that? Only God. Only our God. Donna and I and our friends were in Canada. We were on the Canadian side of the Niagara Falls. It's actually called Niagara Falls, Canada. And uh, we got there very late because we were late getting in and got into our hotel room and I walked into my room, went over and opened the blinds and I looked out and we were on the 24th floor looking right out at Niagara Falls just falling down. We were on the back side of the horseshoe, so it was all lit up, and the, that was breathtaking. How many of you have ever been to Niagara Falls? Anybody? And I want to ask this. How many of you have taken the Maid of the Mist, where you get in a little boat and you go down underneath? I mean, I don't do that. I don't take the helicopter rides either. You know why? I was riding there one day, and I saw a sign. It said, Terminal. I said, no, I'm not getting on that thing. No. I'm not getting on that helicopter. <laughs> But I have taken a little walk underneath the falls and stood there while the water is cascading down in front of you. I read this from a theologian by the name of Paul Thigpen, who has written of standing behind Niagara Falls for the first time. He could hardly cope with the colossal scale of the natural wonder, the unleashed energy, the ear-splitting tumult of those waters plummeting and crashing into the rocks below. Why did he feel such fear? He was well protected from any possibility of falling in. He knew he was perfectly safe, yet his heart pounded. It was impossible for him to avoid thinking of what could happen if his body were hurled downward by that flood. He would be crushed, obliterated. His imagination pushed from his mind everything but an awesome fear of the power that the falls display. And yet he wrote, and I agree, Niagara wouldn't make God's top ten list of spectacular creations. (laughs) Those multiple tons of plummeting water are less than a drop in the bucket compared to the galaxies he has tossed throughout the heavens when he spoke and it came into being. How much more should our hearts pound with fear in his presence? We're only grains of sand on the shore of his infinity, fleeting seconds in his eternity. He is utterly greater than all the greatness we've ever witnessed fantastically more powerful than all the powers we've ever encountered, inconceivably more intelligent than all the most brilliant minds we've ever known or known about. He is the Almighty God, and we should worship him because of what he has done. Because of who he is. Because of what he has done. And thirdly, because of what he is doing. All of God's great work is not in the past. He is at work even today. We should fear him because of what he is doing. Psalm 66, 5 says in the present, come and see the works of God. 
He is awesome in his doing toward the sons of men. Let me ask you, what is he doing today that should inspire such awe and fear in us? We could make such a list, but I want to focus on one thing. If you wonder why we should be in fear of God because of what he is doing, let me just say one word, forgiveness. And we'll have more to say about that tomorrow. But uh, this is the middle part of this message called Deity, the Fear of God. When Solomon got done with his book called Ecclesiastes, he gave a little summary statement, and part of that summary statement was this, fear God. If you want to know how to make life work, learn how to fear God and to live in reverence uh, to Him. And friends, if you haven't noticed, the fear of God has almost gone out of our society. Believers still fear God. Nobody else seems to. Um, That's a very dangerous place to be as a culture. Didn't used to be that way. Even those who didn't believe in God had a healthy respect for Him. Not anymore. Um, It's quite interesting to see what's happening in our world today. But I'm going to fear God, and I'm going to trust Him, and I'm going to learn from Him, and I'm going to trust Him for wisdom because I need that more than I ever have, and so do you. Don't forget, there's still time for you to get your copy of the book, Hope Living Fearlessly in a Scary World, but time is running out. This offer ends at the end of March. So here's what you do. Send a gift of any size to Turning Point during the month of March in these next few days. Make your gift as generous as you can, but whatever you send, simply ask for the book on hope, and it'll be on its way to you before you know it. And uh, we'll be back here next time for more on Turning Point. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's current series, What Are You Afraid Of?, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, ask for your copy of David's timely and encouraging new book, Hope, Living Fearlessly in a Scary World. Stop letting fear hold you back. The book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.org slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we conclude the series, What Are You Afraid Of? Here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you'll be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. 
That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb.com. 